Welcome to the Big Church Podcast. We are a church in Barrie, Ontario, Canada, and we hope you are blessed by this message. For more information, check out our website at bigchurch.cc. I'm going to share Mustafa's testimony or story. Uh, He's moved into his his own place, so he's in. uh, That happened this week, but uh, one cool thing was how God filled the house. I mean, everything matches. Like, God's even color-coordinated. And it's just incredible the way things came in. And so it's just, you know, he didn't want to spend a lot of money on that. He could spend money, but he's got so many other things. But God brought it in, and it was like, I was walking. I went for a walk. I go for a walk around the block and um, at lunch sometimes just for a break. And um, there were these two swivel chairs. And, like, because he has a small apartment, you know, you can't have big furniture. Where do you find, like, small furniture? It's not very often. And they were in perfect condition. And they they fit perfect in the house. Perfect. Like, God was just picking little pieces. and, And, you know, he's so good in just, he cares about all these things in our lives when we commit it to him. Amen? He takes care of all of those things. And so, um, what I want to go into tonight is, um, we're going to go to um, Romans 7. And the book of Romans is a powerful book. And I'm going to talk about the struggle within, because everyone has the struggle, and Paul really brought it out clear in Scripture. And what I love about the scriptures, is the scriptures, does, like, God doesn't mess around and doesn't uh, beat around the bush. He, he, he talks straight to us. And Paul here is addressing the issue of, of, the sin, of sin and then the spirit. And the struggle that we have with walking this Christian walk out. Amen? And... And it is, there is a struggle, but it's not, when we understand it, we can cooperate with God and how the Spirit will work in that situation. And he makes it very clear in Scripture. So we're going to read the Scriptures on this. So we're going to go, we're going to start with, um, in Romans 7, and we're going to start at verse 7, but I want to just kind of set a precursor here because I don't want to read 6 and part of 7 there just for the sake of time. But um, Paul's talking about the law and that the law is perfect and, and that, you know, our sin, it reveals basically how bad our sin is, right? And the thing that we, we, we forget, and we live in a culture that really wants to push God out, says religion's obsolete, basically wants to push your conscience out because how many know you struggle with different things like, and we're going to look at this, Paul reveals this in this, but there's always this part that you know, okay, this is wrong. And, and why do you know that? You just, it's because the law is written on our hearts, the Bible says. God has put eternity in our hearts. And actually, heaven's standard is there in those quiet moments and those different times. And we're constantly wrestling with that because depending on where we are at, it can be a big divide, right? 
And so um, Paul is talking about this struggle here. And then we're going to go, um, we'll start at verse 7. He says, well, then he says, am I suggesting that the law of God is sinful? He says, of course not. In fact, it, it was the law that showed me my sin. I would never have known that coveting is wrong if the law had not said you must not covet. But sin used this command to arouse all kinds of covetous desires within me. If there were no law, sin would not have that power. At one time I lived without understanding the law, but when I learned the command not to covet, for instance, the power of sin came to life. And I saw that the laws which were supposed to bring life brought spiritual life or death instead. So he's, he's talking about how something that's so perfect brings death. And it says, sin took advantage of those commands and deceived me. It used the commands to kill me. And this is the struggle. And he says here, but still, the law itself is holy, and its commands are holy and right. But... How can that be? Did the law, which is good, cause my death? Of course not. Sin used what was good to bring about my condemnation to death. So we can see how terrible sin really is. It uses God's good commands for its own evil purposes. So Paul here is talking about the work of sin and the struggle of sin. And he's trying to give it its rightful place and, um, and for us to understand it. So I was thinking of this with Timothy, our little grandson. Um, he's the newest little guy. And, you know, they're, they're so, they look so innocent, right? And you think, oh, how could they do anything bad? But you... You see that work of sin when you tell them, no, you can't do something, right? As soon as you say no, they're like, they want to do it, right? And they want to do it more. It's like, that's, that, that's what Paul is talking about here. There's that nature, that sin nature that creeps up. And sin does that as soon as it has something that, especially with God's law or God's standard, it fights it. And Paul is trying to show us here, this struggle is real. And we've got to understand it, not so that we're weighed down and think we can just give into it, so that we can fight through it and we can walk it out. And so he goes in here, he says, he says here, so the trouble's not with the law, verse 14. For it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human and a slave to sin. And I think part of us have to, uh, and I find this in North America, um, we're not honest about our sin a lot of times. We're not honest about the struggle. We just kind of brush it over. And what we do is we hide behind our achievements. We hide behind our accomplishments. We hide behind a lot of the good things that we do. And we just excuse the struggle. 
And we think, well, I got enough merit and brownie points. It covers it. I said, I'm sorry, I'm fine, move on. And we don't realize that that sin, it, it, it needs to be dealt with. And, we're, and Paul's going to get into this. He says, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. How many have been there? Done that. Got the t-shirt. <clears throat> but if I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. Does that make sense? So that's a good thing. It's a good thing when you know what you're doing is wrong. It's when, it's when you don't think it's wrong. There's the problem. It's when you know it's wrong, then you're aware that the law is good and that there's God's calling you to something higher. Amen? So he says here, so I am not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. So he's talking again about this sin nature. And, and there is this part, this nature, and it is not a part of you as a believer. And I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. How many know Paul's being pretty honest here? I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Come on. And you know, everyone, we think, you know, there are, every one of us have areas where we can ad admit to this, if we're honest with where we're at with God. Every one of us, because sin is this, sin is missing the mark of God. It's missing God's perfect standard in whatever area it is in your life. And every one of us, we have areas where he is perfecting us. Amen? Where we are having to walk things out. None of us are perfect. Only Jesus is. And we are being made like him. So who's doing the changing? We are. And so Paul here, this is what he's talking about. He's, he, he's saying, uh, you know, this is the struggle. And he says, but if I do, verse 20, but if I do what I don't want to do, um, oh wait, yeah, but if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. It is sin li living in me that does it. And he says, I've discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. How many of you have started out and you're like, you know, especially in an area, I, you had such good intentions, you're like, I'm going to do this. And it went wrong. So he says here, I love God's law with all my heart. And this is the thing, there, there is that part of you that wants to please God that desires to please God. But there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. So there is another power, and this is the struggle within. 
and it is against the mind many times. And it's this struggle that is constantly there. And this power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? How many have felt that at times? You just feel like you're the underdog in it. Then he says, thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. Then we're going to move on, because this is where he doesn't leave it. Amen? He's just talking about the reality of this. There is this sin, and you can be a slave to it, but then he flips the tables. He says, so now there is no condemnation. Look at your neighbor and say, no condemnation. Not even a little bit. None. Zero condemnation. <laughs> Zero. There is no condemnation for those who what? Belong to Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus is the one who sets us free. His blood covers us. His blood redeems us. There is no condemnation. And because you belong to him, because of Christ and Christ alone, not because of our brownie points, not because we did a lot of good things and we really felt good this week, and you know what? We were on top of the world and everything worked out. How many like those weeks? Aren't they great? But guess what? What about when they're not? What about when the week everything's stacked up against you? What about uh, that week that you're, you're struggling with weaknesses or, or the enemy's hitting you in areas where you're weak? What do you do in that struggle? Now, the first thing the enemy wants to do is accuse you, say it's you, throw you under the bus, and make you believe it so that you will fall into that and that you will beat yourself up. That's what he wants to do. Every single one of us, that's his tactic. But there is no condemnation when we belong to Christ Jesus. None. He is never condemning us. He is never pointing a finger at us. He is never saying this and this and this. He is always pointing a way out. He's always extending mercy and grace. I love that song we were singing there. There's freedom. Freedom reigns. Amen? In Christ. It reigns in him. And because you belong to him, this is what happens. The power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power that leads to death. Amen? Here's the exchange again. It's always an exchange. There's a spirit of death and there's a spirit of life. And which one do you want to work with? Because the spirit of life is in Christ. And when I stay hidden in Christ, when I go to that secret place with him, when I remain in him, his spirit works in that place. Amen? And that spirit of life begins to work in that 
whatever situation it is, we get, make room for him. And it says here, so um, it says here that the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of the sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. Aren't you glad God did what the law couldn't do? God did it. He did this, and I love it. And we're going to take communion tonight. We're going we're to celebrate what he did. He sent his own son in a body like ours. Like we, we sinners have. So he gave us a stinky body. He gave, he, he walked in a stinky body. He sweated, right? He dealt with all the stuff we deal with, but he didn't fall into sin. He lived in a sinful life, but he didn't fall into it. And it says here, um, he gave him a, a sinful body like us. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. And sometimes, you know, we're like, I, I know this, I know this. We know it, but we don't know it. Because we don't know it in application a lot of times. Sometimes we just don't pause and it's just like, no, you know what? Christ, you identify with this, whatever the struggle is. This sinful nature is not me. You have set me free and your spirit of life is now working in me. And I don't have to live under that nature anymore. I live under the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Amen? Jesus, you paid the price for this sin. It's not mine. It's yours. Amen? There is no condemnation. And it says here, he did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us because the wages of sin is death. Every sin has to be paid for by death. And so when we identify with that and we take it to the cross, the Christ's death cancels the power of that sin and the righteous requirement of the law is met. Amen? So he says here, he did this so that the, the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead we follow what? We follow the Spirit. Amen? We follow the Spirit. We're not under the law anymore, although if we follow the Spirit, we will fulfill the law and we will actually want to do the law. But we cannot do it as a hard taskmaster where we're trying to keep up with it. We have to allow the Spirit of God to work. Amen? In every single one of us. And this is what I love. It says here, and those... who are dominated by the sinful nature, think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. And you know what? We can be very 
dominated by sinful things. We live in a culture that bombards us through social media and all kinds of things where we're watching videos and a lot of stuff is just, it's sinful. It's not blatant, but it's just, it's just not towards God. It's not drawing you towards God. A lot of it's just dumb. Or it, it has some sort of, it's, there's not a lot out there. God can use it, and he does use it. I'm not saying God doesn't use social media. But a lot of it can just pull you and draw your sinful nature where you get your mind on things that you don't need to have your mind on. And the enemy works, and he tries to dominate our day with things. Whether it's through thoughts through social media, all kinds of different attacks that come through people, come through situations. And we got to understand, this is his job. He wants to dominate you in your sinful nature so that it can begin to take over. It's not you, it's sin working in you, but we can choose it, to follow it. It says here, so those that are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Spirit. Amen? Controlled by the Spirit. In other words, I have to allow the Spirit to come in and control situations. I have to give him permission. Spirit of God, I need you in this area. Spirit of God, we need to yield to the Spirit and allow him to control. It says those who are controlled by the Spirit, think about things that please the Spirit. How many of you had that where you, you, know, you, know, you know you're in that place where you're allowing the Spirit and you're, you're thinking good thoughts and you're getting good things from God. And it's a good feeling, isn't it? It feels good and clean and nice and right. And So it says here, um, so letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Amen. And so this is what we have to keep our eyes on in the struggle. Because what happens with the sinful nature is we, we give into it because it's easier. Because many times it's instant gratification sometimes. Sometimes it's just it's the path of least resistance. But what happens is it doesn't lead to life and peace. That's why sometimes the Spirit gets you to, you know, you need to pray. You need to pray right now. You need to praise the Lord right now. You know, I, I like, uh, Mike had a post, I can't remember who, it wasn't his post, it was a repost. But it was, you know, soaking doesn't break depression. Um, uh, I can't remember the other one. It was listing different things. Worship doesn't break depression. Praise breaks depression, breaks the spirit of heaviness. So there's times, though, 
you're in situations and you're mopey and dopey and you're singing, you picked a fine time to leave me, Lucille, right? And you're, you're like, you know, just crying and God saying, no, Jehovah Jireh, my provider, his grace is sufficient. Yeah, I'm dating myself. It's very old. For me, for me, for me. And that's the song the Spirit is saying, but you're like, no, I don't want to sing that song. I have a right to be upset right now. This happened to me, this happened to me, this happened to me. And, and, but the Spirit has, is completely contrary to the sinful nature. The sinful nature wants to have a nice big pity party for you and invite all your friends that never show up. You're the only one that shows up to your pity party and wants you to stay there, mope, dope, and then fall into whatever and just keep repeating it over and over again. Beat yourself over the head. Do it again. Beat yourself over the head. Do it again. Come on. Sinful nature, that's how it works. But the Spirit of God is there and when we allow him to work sometimes he gets us to do things that are hard sometimes he'll say break out in praise and declare jehovah jireh is my provider even though there's nothing there right now he says do that and that will break whatever it is there's all kinds of different things sometimes it's pray sometimes it's and many times what the spirit gets you to do you don't feel like doing. Guess what? Welcome to earth. <laughs> Welcome to the struggle. Because it's not about what you feel. The Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. It's not what we think we feel or we want. That is our soul. And that changes. We follow what the Spirit of God wants and what the Spirit of God says. And when we are surrender to the spirit and allow the spirit to control amen and guys this is the struggle the flesh and the spirit where we have to yield and say no spirit of god i'm giving you control i am not coming under condemnation i am not letting the accuser speak to me anymore i'm not listening to his voice I'm not believing the lies he's saying about me. God, what are you saying and what do you want me to do by your spirit? Amen. How many know there is, it can be, sometimes it's this huge divide and you're thinking, oh, what's the use? And you're just, but it's like, no, you have to allow the spirit to, to begin to control your mind because it will lead to life and peace and this is how i for myself when i've struggled that when you receive life and peace in a situation because sometimes it's just god has you pray and you don't even feel like praying but you're doing it because you're obeying and this is why i love my prayer language i love praying in tongues because there's so many times i don't know what to pray there are times I get up in the morning and I feel very overwhelmed. There's times, and I get up early. God gets me up early, and he just does. And most of the time, I don't know, I, I don't know what to pray. So I just pray in tongues. I just talking to God and just praying in tongues. And when I pray in tongues, the Bible says, my spirit is praying the perfect prayer to God, 
It's praying everything I need. So he's covering my whole prayer list. And then, you know, sometimes he gives me the download and tells me a few things that I pray. But I, I'm sure there's lots of things I prayed I didn't know. But the thing is, by yielding, I remember Natalie said this one night at prayer. Um, she says, I, I'm here tonight. It was prayer night. And she says, that's faith. The fact that I'm here, it's faith. Because I, I believe God's going to do something. That's why I'm here. That's faith, right? Just the fact that I showed up. That's faith. Sometimes it's just that simple act of, no, I'm just not going to give in to this. God, I'm moving towards you. I'm not listening to the accuser. There is no condemnation. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who followed not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Amen? And we are walking in the spirit that gives life, the law of the spirit of life. That's the law that I'm under. Amen? And if you're in Christ, that's what you're under. It says here, but you're not controlled by your sinful nature, verse 9. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And verse 10, and Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. And the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead, what? Lives in you. We've got to remind ourselves of that sometimes. Resurrection power is in us. And it says here, and just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give what? Life to what? To your mortal bodies. And as we get older, we need more of it. Right? This mortal body needs more life. <clears throat> and it gives it to our mortal bodies by the same spirit that is living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. This is what it does. Come on, just do it. It's just kind of just always right there urging you, right? Just pulling you, pulling you. And it's, there's a whole kazoodle of things that we could list off, you know? We, we, it's not just the top three sins, right? Swearing, drinking, you know, we get all these different ones that we, we think it is. There's, it can be just gossip. It can be, it can be just idle time. Do you know idle time is a sin? And we're just idle and we're doing nothing and we're just waste, wasting wasteful words. The Bible says we're giving account for every word. When we're using words that are, are not good, then we've got to you know, like allow the Spirit to control those things. So he says here, um, so you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But, touch your neighbor and say, this is a big but in the Bible, but... If through the power of the Spirit, 
and this is the only way it can be done. Not, oh, human willpower, and I'm just going to do it because it's the right thing to do. No, you're going to fail over and over and over again. The only way that we can overcome this is through the power of the Spirit we put to death the deeds of the sinful nature. In other words, it's an exchange. It's I'm inviting the Spirit of God into this situation. This sin nature is not allowed to be here anymore. And we make the exchange. And we don't identify with it. That it's you. It is sin that is trying to work in you, but you do not have to listen to its dictates. It says here, you don't have to listen to them. You don't have to listen. Oh, that's just me. No, it's not. And the Spirit of God can reveal those things that he has given us if we make that exchange. Because he says here, um, so he says, but if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. So putting it to death. In other words, that's what repentance is. Repentance is turning away in the opposite direction of where you are going. So if you were heading in the direction of sin, repentance is turning and saying, I've put you to death, and now I'm walking to life. I'm choosing life. But the problem with a lot of times with walking into life is it's new territory, and you're very vulnerable. And you're like, how do I do this? How do I be a good person in this area? It feels weird. How many had that struggle you know there's the freedom but then it's how do I do this well first of all this is what he says and this is one of my favorite verses it says verse 14 for all who are led by the spirit of God are children of God all who are led so in other words it's allowing the Spirit of God to lead us. And leading, um, being led, you have to follow. So it's pausing and stepping back and saying, okay, I'm not going to control my life anymore. And for control freaks, that's a hard thing, right? For people that want to have, like, it's like, no, I have to step back and say, okay, Spirit of God, I'm, I'm, wanting, I'm giving room for you to lead me. I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to keep in step with you. Joshua, my oldest son, when he was little, half of our videos of him, he was always running ahead, running ahead, running ahead. You know, we go for walks or whatever, and we're videoing it. and all, it, It's Josh, Josh. Gosh, we're going this way. He would always run ahead, and we were going this way, and he was going that way. Why? Because he wasn't being led. He was running ahead, right? Thinking, oh, I got it figured out, going off. And, and this is what we do a lot of times with God. We're like, 
no, no, I know what to do. I got this one. I got this one. You know, going ahead, it's like, ah, uh, no, it's, it's different this time. We're going a different way. Right? All right, I got this. I got this. I got this. But he knows our enemy. And he sometimes knows our enemy has a trap, and he's coming at us a different angle. And if we would stop and we would be led by him, he would show us, no, you got to do it this way this time. You know, David inquired of the Lord before every battle, and every battle was different. But that was one thing about David. The Bible says, God says, here's a man after my own heart who will do all my will. David had a desire to God, I want to do it and honor you. So he inquired and he was listening. And what's the strategy this time? What is it that you want to do this time? And, and a lot of times what we do is we go in cruise mode or we go in... Um, autopilot and just kind of and we get in this autopilot mode in our walk with God and it's like God's like no every day is new my mercies are new every morning it's a new day I want to do things in a new way and the only way we can be aware of those things is if we are led by the spirit amen that we pause and we like, we allow him to lead us. Now, <clears throat> and I, I love where he goes into this now, because the next thing he deals with when he talks about being led is, because you've not received the spirit that makes you fearful slaves. He deals with fear, because that's probably the biggest underlying root of why we don't give God control of our lives. We fear. We fear the unknown. We fear many things. Many things. It's like just too hard. It's like, oh, how can I give him this? And he's saying, here, you've not been given a spirit that makes you a, a slave again to fear. Instead, again, the exchange. You received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And guess what this spirit says? Abba Father, that means Daddy God. It's the intimate term. It's a closeness that the Spirit of God is saying in you and the Spirit of God is saying back to you. It's that closeness of, look, you can trust me. How many know a good dad is not going to slap his kid when he's stumbling and not, you know, he's making it. He's, he's there to reach out and help him and, and give him, like, that's a good that's what that spirit is in us. And we have to allow that spirit to... We have to rest in that. The way I had to learn this, I came from a father who... Uh, my dad was very hard on me. And, you know, it was just not a good relationship. And so... I did not know how to trust God when I came to God. I did not know how to walk out a lot of things. And what God brought me through was a lot of failures. And in every one of those failures, he was there for me when I started reaching out to him. And he did so many things that I didn't deserve. And I would get, I, I, would, I was mad at him. It's like, why are you doing this? Because I, I because my whole life growing up, when I was under that, 
was trying to work and please, trying to work and please, trying to, to, to make my way and do everything and, and earn that accomplishment and earn that approval. So when God just did it because he was a good father, that spirit in me, that spirit of adoption was always there, but it was very buried under a sinful nature that dominated me in that area. But through walking it out, I could allow that spirit then to come and then where I could trust God and actually be vulnerable and be drawn to him and not run ahead anymore. Not to say that I don't, but there's many times that, like I just, that didn't dominate my life. The spirit of God didn't control me in that way. But when I allowed that to grow, the spirit of God then takes fear away and replaces it with this. The spirit that cries out, Abba, Father. And it says here, verse 16, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Amen. And since we are his children, we are what? His heirs. We are heirs. In other words, my house is your house. Your house is my house. Amen? Which brings us into his family. He treats us like his own. It's not like, well, you, you didn't work your way up here, you know. First of all, you have to clean, clean the toilets. Then you got to work your way up and work your way up into levels and degrees. I hate that teaching that goes on in some, I've heard it with different leaders. And, well, this is how you become a leader. You have to start with the toilets. And, and it's like, yeah, you got to learn the work ethic. But you don't earn what God does in you. You're a son or you're a daughter. And you learn responsibilities in a family and you learn to grow up. But that doesn't determine who's better. Everyone is a child of God. Amen? And so this spirit, we've got to learn to allow this spirit that is already in us to connect with God and identify that we are heirs with him. We're not trying to make this happen. It already did. Now we, we, we partake of what he's given us. We begin to partake in it. We begin to enjoy those things that he has for us. We begin to think about those things that he's got. Instead of allowing a spirit of condemnation to put you in a corner and say, you didn't earn enough of this, you didn't earn enough, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't do enough for this, you didn't do enough for that, and, 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 and stick you in a corner where your whole mind is dominated by that, where God says, that's done. There's no condemnation. This is what I have for you. This is what I want you to walk in. These are the things that I want to dominate your mind. Amen? And there's, there, there's so many things he wants to give us that are ours in Christ. And it says, in fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. Amen? But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering to come together. So 
Let's stand. And if I can have the worship team up. Because I believe there's two things we're going to be walking in in the days ahead. I believe our sufferings for Christ are going to be, we, have, we live in a generation that's becoming, in our country, hostile towards God and, and the things of God, particularly anyone who is singular in their faith saying it's only Jesus. We're not falling for them anyways. And all inclusive. So there's going to be a suffering that comes with that. Although we have everything we need in Christ and it's all been made available, our suffering is we have to walk in that perfect love in the midst of possible hatred and all of the rest and still demonstrate Christ's love. It's part of our suffering. And it's just part of what... Thank you for joining us today. We pray that this message has truly blessed your life. For more information, go to bigchurch.cc.